Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us an opportunity to check out some of the latest interviews on JM in the AM. Two members of 613 were with us during Hanukkah to discuss the success of Bohemian Hanukkah. Here is that conversation on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. Well, many of you have heard about the uh, impact that a song that's now known as Bohemian Hanukkah has made out there. I don't even think it's just in our community. I have a feeling it's made an impact in a variety of places. We'll find out because because both Craig and Morty of 613 are in studio this morning here at JM and the AM. In fact, you could tune in right now, not only here, whatever method you're using to listen, but you could tune into Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Our Facebook Live video is already rolling. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network as we explore this Bohemian Hanukkah at JM in the AM. Is this the eighth night? We line with family. Recall with great pride our escape from great tyranny. Kindle the lights. Remember the
like the Maccabees Know what really matters Thanks to God our people are free Oh, and I love that, that it ends with Neskadol Hayapo. One of my, uh, one of the uh, the things I always talk about. I don't know how on earth that dreidel got the shum on it instead of the po around the world. But that is not today's topic. Today's topic is Bohemian Chanukah. Say it again. We did it for you. We <laughs> did it for me. I appreciate it. But did you notice what, what it's uh, on our Chanukah card at the very bottom? What kind of dreidel is that? What does it oh, have on it? There you go. Yeah, it has a pay. Uh, both Craig Rezmovitz and Morty Weinstein are in studio. 613 is celebrating an amazing Chanukah 5779. They went ahead and um, they were very familiar, as many of us are, with Bohemian Rhapsody, a very famous Queen song. Really a Queen anthem. It's more than just a song. It's really a, a landmark uh, release from years ago. And they created something called Bohemian Chanukah, a Queen adaptation. So far, at least the version I'm looking at right now, because I'm not exactly sure how YouTube works, but uh, based on what I see in front of me, 1.33 million views, which is pretty amazing. So I say, Happy Chanukah. I say, Welcome to JM and the AM. And I say, Mazal Tov on this amazing achievement. Yeah, thank Thanks. you. And, and Happy Chanukah. Happy Chanukah to you. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to hear about the beginning of this project. Does it have, have anything to do with the fact that you knew a movie was coming about out about Queen? Yeah, it has a lot, it has a lot to do with that. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. this is no coincidence. We, never any coincidence. You, you had a feeling, and you, of course, I mean the whole group or part of the group. You had a feeling that the country would be focused on that production. In, which, in which general, makes sense. Uh, when the you know we always do something for Hanukkah and always do something for Pesach right. as far as videos, and we do a few. You know, around the year also, but in general, we look for the most relevant thing at the time. Um, it's all about like we can't. We're always so rushed to put these things out, and it's not because we're lazy. It's because we actually try to wait until the very last minute to choose what is happening right now. But some right. might argue that this would have been appropriate at any time in the last ten, fifteen years. Yeah. This is, after all, such an iconic, you know, well-known tune to to America. And the world, frankly. Yeah, the, the truth is we um, we were looking at, we usually look at some songs that are popular, like on the radio, like current pop songs. Right. Um, but we didn't see anything that was that was really catching our, our interest or our eyes. And we started to think, you know, what if we what if we look a little bit further back and, and you know, tackle some of, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is one of the biggest, most iconic songs yeah. in I think, rock uh, history. Yeah, when I say rock th- anthem, that's, that's yeah. accurate. 104.3 oh, yeah. does on Thanksgiving weekend, they do their top 104.3. Right. Uh, and I think it was number two. Yeah, and it's, it it's always in the top. Probably yeah. some Beatles song number one. No, yeah. Stairway. Stairway oh, to heaven. Stairway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> always Stairway. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Anybody should, should replace should that. Remove it from the t- Now you know what you're doing for next year. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, people said, you know, how are you guys going to top this next year? And now we There's only we one thing we could do, right? <laughs> There's only one song above it. So, uh, all right. So you have this idea. You're, you benefit from the fact that there's no massive popular song right now if there was a massive popular song over the last couple of months you would have gone in that direction probably, probably yeah. if we liked it yeah. right so you benefit from the fact that you're that it sort of forces you to look at some old-time classics and you end up with this one the movie as we said had a sure. had a factor in it and was there one person in the group who brought this to everybody else or this was a i actually the story i forgot until right now yeah go ahead so okay so we've been focusing over the past 
almost a year, like six months to a year. On uh, you know, in addition to putting out our videos, mm-hmm. um, this is how it happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, in totally addition to putting, also. yeah, That's in addition to putting out <laughs> our our videos for the holidays, our music videos with production and everything, and a professional recording and professional video, um, we realized that in today's day and age, it's very important for any act, any artist, to continuously just give. Uh, our fans and our followers and people who aren't so familiar with us content right. to, to to view us to hear us to to right. to feel engaged stay and feel out like there as much as possible. So w- one of the things we've been focusing on at our rehearsals is not just rehearsing for upcoming gigs and recordings and stuff, uh, but we actually throw together like on the spot arrangements of whatever's popular in Jewish or secular music. Or things that are particularly because relevant. Because you want to be prepared right. when you get that request. Or no, right. well, we were also posting it on Facebook and ah, Instagram. Correct. So, like, we Actually, did, we did um, the first big one. Yeah, we did, I, I think, say. we did Ivri Anochi. Yeah, that was the first one, and Benny, and, Benny reposted it, right. and, and like was, everybody was like, oh, right. he's like, oh, this is probably something we should do. Uh, we did a, we did a cover. I think that got a lot of views, like just a live cover of Hey Brother mm-hmm. after uh, Avicii's untimely. Uh, passing so there so we we try to do things that are that are relevant and that'll be meaningful to people um and and we put together arrangements different guys in the group arrange them uh, we did macha brachalish younger also which was a lot of fun <laughs> oh boy, very but uh, but, <laughs> but um we put together an, a, a quick arrangement we learn it really quickly thankfully the guys in the group they learn really fast and then we record a little video and this movie was coming out so somebody's like oh we should put out a short bohemian rhapsody thing and we and our director you know mike probably very well so he puts together he's actually arranged this for his college group years ago so he's like oh we could probably learn this six guys tonight in like a half hour (laughs) 20 minutes it was crazy at rehearsal and so we started learning it and we got pretty far because also in uh these are really geared towards instagram as well as other platforms and there's a one minute right. limit. Time limit. So <laughs> that worked in our benefit when it came to Bohemian. If that's yeah. what we would have done, and we're like, we were learning it, and it's it's a very you know uh, involved piece of music. Is really it's complicated. It's, complicated. It's, it's one yeah. of the hardest things right. anybody has. Yeah. anybody in the group. Has but ever at this had point, played. the Hanukkah words were written already or not? Or no, no, no. So yeah. we were going to do the original. We were going to do, gonna do, little, yeah, gonna yeah, do right. a cover, and we're like, we didn't get this. The one thing on the agenda was record a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody, and another thing on the agenda for that night was discuss what we're going to do for Hanukkah. Right. And we we started with Bohemian, and it was coming to the end of the a lot of time for everything we were supposed to do that night, and we didn't we didn't quite have it yet, and we're like, yeah, this is not going to happen. Maybe we'll get it next time. And I don't know who it was. Somebody's like, well, why don't we just do this for Hanukkah? And every single person in the group is like, why don't we just do this for Hanukkah? <laughs> who writes the words? So so we actually we have a team. Um, over the past couple of years, we've sort of developed this this system. So we have a guy named Elliot Olshansky. Um, you might be familiar with. He used to work on. Um, the corn Kornheiser Kornheiser show mm-hmm. um and he he just he pumps these things out like like that it's it's amazing we'll send him the song and we'll say yeah like can you can you write some lyrics and he'll send back within a couple of days he'll have like a whole he'll have the entire thing written out and it's incredible and then we are, just, are they identical lyrics to what he sent you they're they're not quite identical some of them are tweaked by members of the group like if there's certain things right. that we want to make sure to include but um but his what he gives us is the starting point and yeah the, that's the process and sort it's of. and it's incredible i mean he just he gives it back some of the some of the other videos we've put out over the past couple of years are pretty much almost completely his lyrics yeah. um and and he matches you know the the cadences of of some of the words mm-hmm. and and rhyming and like the rhyme schemes it's incredible and he sends them to us and then we well I mean, everybody listening knew that most were yeshua t was right. coming you oh, know, with me, that yeah. rhyme i mean yeah 
In fact, I was wondering if I can tell you so many things about the details of this thing. Every time you hear it, you're, you know, you're, you're wondering what I've done it dropped differently. It worked out perfectly. The words worked out perfectly, et cetera. Um, what, what's uh, 1.3 million is amazing. You go into any video. So I just want to make a quick addendum to that. Yeah. Um, so there's different ways you could post right. videos. So tell us um, the real numbers. So we have de- definitely YouTube is a really important thing that a lot right. of people are looking to. And I've actually found, oh, w- so we focus this time. You can, you can post on, so talk, talking about Facebook, you could do two things when you want to post your music video right. on Facebook. You could post the YouTube video, right. which is what we've done. I think, Always in the past. Craig, a little social media, maybe. Yeah, right. I'm or you can embed it into Facebook. Things. Right, exactly. Right. And there's something about an, a, a Facebook embedded video right. that Facebook is going to push more than something that. Correct. Like, and not clicks only that, you. it's so much more readily available as one click that yeah. more people are going to go to it. And it'll it'll often start auto playing. Right. Yeah. Speed, Correct. So. So numbers. Go ahead. Tell so us. we embedded <laughs> it into Facebook, and, and that's what we focused on. We're at about two. Point one or two million. So you're over two million views. So yeah, no so total. We're, over three. we're almost three and a half. Three point oh, wow. four. Yeah. They're just 4. on Facebook over two million total. Almost between three and a half and four million, which is yeah. amazing. And it's day. We're on day nine, morning right. of day nine. Right, and only day four of Hanukkah. Exactly. It's still relevant for yeah. a half a week. Yeah. Um. And obviously, you go into this. You have no idea, and because you guys are veterans of this, you have no idea. You've had. I'm sure you've had videos that have five thousand views, and you've had videos that have had two hundred thousand views. Right? We, you have we, no uh, clue what's going to happen with this thing, right? It's, it's hard to. It's hard to put a finger on what are the specific right. ingredients of a. But of you a had viral to have video. had a feeling that this one, in some way, would be special or noteworthy. That this one, you know, it just it, it's just too iconic. It's it was done very well. The video. And and again, I didn't go back to research this, but the video is is a is a takeoff on the actual Queen video. It yeah, is, it's right? it's very 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 close to the original video. Almost in, like a lot of the ideas are straight from right, the original. Because, because the heads and the live the heads are, are and, the most iconic. Right, thing, yeah. and the live concert performance yes. are all part of it. Yes, exactly. And the fact that you were lucked that you lucked out that you had a guy who actually looks like Freddie Mercury. Yeah, well, or, or when he well, dress, he shaved. Also. Right, when he, when he dresses up, he looks like him. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Or he gets away with it. Let's put it that exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, he walked. He walks out of the bathroom after he had shaved and right. just had a, has a mustache, and we we're like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> Freddie. He really. His name is Jacob Spadaro. He, he he commits he one billion stu- percent. He studied it. Right. Yeah. Like even and his, that helps. That his, helps the whole 100%. thing. His uh, solo lines in the song, um, the way he sings them, he. Listened to right. Freddie. We're on first name terms. <laughs> yeah, of uh, course. You guys, after all, <laughs> are Bohemian Hanukkah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> over and over and over. And he really, really yeah. studied it. And and he committed a thousand percent. We actually did the show in con- uh, the song in concert, which was you did it in concert already. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where so last this Saturday past, night? This past Saturday night. Where we, was it? We host a show every year uh, called Acapajusa. It was on the Upper West Side nice. at the JCC. And and the big thing for that show is we well we were like okay we have to premiere this song live. We can't. <laughs> We can't, uh, you know, we have to tackle it. So we did. Um, and before we actually, before we got on, while we were introducing the song, Jacob was backstage shaving the bottom, so of, his goatee. The bottom of his goatee. <laughs> so he would be full on Freddy for the performance. And we had the house lights go down. So and we all had a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah, we did yeah. live. I assume you have a video of that. Um, Someone must. Some, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't seen it. But, Someone uh, had their phone sure rolling that night. Yeah, I think my, I think my dad had my his wife. phone rolling. Yeah. Unbelievable. Craig Resmovitz, Morty Weinstein in Studio 613. Total number of uh, of members are? How many members? So, there are nine members. Total. Nine members? Yeah. So you're representing all of them this morning. We appreciate yeah. it. Craig and Morty are here. Go to Facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. You can see this this um, conversation as it's taking place. Facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. Okay, most interesting reaction. We know... We know because there have been groups that have been in the three, four million hits 
you know, area in the past. So we do know that our community, you know, and we all feel it. You know, you feel the the rush that's going, you know, globally through our community when something like this comes out. Have you gotten interesting reaction from outside of our community? We've gotten uh, lots of uh, interesting reaction is, is maybe <laughs> is sometimes an understatement. We've got, um, there's actually, um, so I'll give you two extremes. Extreme one is we got an email that was directed exclusively at Jacob, um, our our own uh, Freddie, right. and it was this. It was like pages, pages long. Um, it's this email explaining to him like visions that this guy had. Like you know, God came to him in a dream and told him that you know this is like so and so is going to happen in the next thirty days. And like he need, he just felt like he needed to tell Jacob, and like this was a because response he's to our channeling video. Freddie Mercury <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Yeah, so that that was that was kind of one oh, one gosh. bizarre extreme. But, Definitely um, not from our community. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a little strange, but um, and people need to understand that the whole Queen Freddie Mercury thing—it's like a—I don't want to say cultish, but it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's not just an iconic music group. Right. It's intense, right. right? It is a very intense following yes. that probably only got much more intense once he died. Yeah, absolutely. So people need to realize that there's a a real spirituality among some people when it comes to them. Yeah, and especially which, now with the movie is a, right, a major resurgence. which led me to believe that you'd get a lot of reaction. How dare you? How dare you tread on Queen? How mm-hmm. dare you? You know, try to duplicate or or jewish sides right. or, or judaize you know what queen did any of that stuff the people who are sorry the people i think who are jewish are focusing on the fact that it's a hanukkah video right. got it but i think that and you know trying to say this like more humbly but i think we presented the music just the music right. and with enough her. integrity right uh that the comment that i hear the most from just even YouTube viewers who who say they have nothing to do with with Judaism or Hanukkah or mm-hmm. anything is this is is one of the best covers of the song right. that they've heard. Even and the that's what that's what mm-hmm. yeah that's what people are are hearing and seeing. I think outside of our sort of like purview. Right. Over you here. were saying Morty. So one extreme was what you just described, and what else? What yeah. Else? So there's actually um we we didn't know this because um I guess we're not we're not majorly in the regular music industry right. but a guy named Bob Lefsitz who has um who has a music blog apparently he is he is among if not the top music blogger in the world um right. he sends out a blog it, it doesn't exist uh, now it does but it doesn't exist online it was just like a newsletter that he would send out to music executives and record um you know record executives like an email form or something yeah right. and he wrote up a whole a whole write up of our video and and praised it for for its integrity and, and how much fun it was and how when he watched it he smiled and he really enjoyed it and he thought it was incredible um so that that's like a really i mean that's definitely outside of our, oh, our yeah. small jewish music bubble <laughs> that's like and uh, all record executives and and bigwigs get that and it's it a lot of people a lot of friends of ours who work you know in record labels or whatever have sent us the, that write up and have said you know this is this is a big deal right. um so Very that's cool. that's really cool yeah and and radio also a lot of radio right, right. oh is it getting a lot of regular radio uh, out yeah. there uh well it's been uh, on one so CBS, CBS FM, FM. Yeah. we right. actually uh our group has a really good relationship with Scott Shannon and his show and nice. the people who produce it who are great by the way we're going to be appearing next Friday, oh, yeah. they have a holiday party every year. We've done it every year since our Shake It Off video, which was 2014. Mm-hmm. So this will be our fourth uh, holiday oh, season a, doing it at Blythdale. Yeah, the year, right? it, it, uh, at the Children's Hospital. It's a really, really special, show. special oh, yeah. event. Yeah. Uh, very, so, very cool. So he shared it. We were on the Z100 morning show for for a little bit. Uh, and people are, 
from Q104 shared it also. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people. And are, that's just New York. There's probably exactly. other, yeah. other places. It's, it's, are, on, it's on satellite radio as right. well, apparently. People are just texting me, oh, just heard you guys singing. <laughs> yeah. I, love like, I would love it if they would tell us that they were going to play it and <laughs> talk about yeah. it, and then I would listen. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure the other seven members are just as excited as you guys. Everybody's having a really great time. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, it is a great time to go. 613 in studio. Craig and Morty are here. Facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. So. I mean, you've done some interesting things. I mean, you've played stadiums, mm-hmm. right? You've done some uh, really cool stuff, both in New York and other parts of the country and the world. Mm-hmm. You've also traveled, right? You've been to some exotic places. Yeah. Name, name one or two places where 613 has been. Uh, we've been to Germany, Austria, oh, of so course, Israel, Israel, England. So where does this? So this isn't travel, and it's not really a live appearance. So where does this whole Bohemian Hanukkah rank in terms of all the exciting stuff you guys have done? Again, it's not really an adventure. <laughs> it's more like a music adventure. It's more like a, yeah. a project that you tossed out there. Well, a lot of these, a lot of the times when we put out a video, it, it's sort of like it's an adventure in and of itself, and then it leads to right. hopefully other adventures. So we've gotten a lot of emails, um, people interested in bringing us out to different places for for concerts and for things like that. So we're hoping that this that this song kind of takes us to our next set of adventures right. um, as you know, Shake It Off did in the past or Uptown Passover did um, and many of our other songs. The, so. the the most views of a 613 video before this was? Shake It Off. And that, that was, was how many? Up about? over 2 million by now. Oh, was it At over 2 million? At this point, it's like 2.6. Well, now we're getting a big bump. We're, we're definitely the not thing is, when we come out day, with something so. that's popular, people watch all our other stuff. Right. So it really helps us a lot. Our, uh, Mike said, the traffic on our, on our website oh, yeah. is up like... Twelve thousand yeah. percent or yeah. something. We like got that a notification on Facebook. Like yeah. Click Star website has has increased by twelve thousand percent. Well, that's a good feeling, huh? yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Who was looking at it? Nobody. Yeah. Who, I was, guess. who I used to be looking at it? Yeah. yeah. I was the. I was. I was fascinated by the format of the video. I get the whole takeoff on Queen, and I get obviously the live concert performance, which is such a key to the whole thing. But there are also Hanukkah scenes in there, and really, and not to insult anybody, okay? Let's. But we're discussing the video, mm-hmm. so give me an opportunity. Really generic Hanukkah scenes. Absolutely. You know, someone's office carrying a menorah, a little lighting here, a little and and one would one might think that this type of video, especially with the iconic, you know, atmosphere that it has, you know, would would these regular Hanukkah scenes fit into this? So was that an issue or not as this was developing? Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. We as we think about the video concept, um, also not everybody is involved in, in the planning right. for the for the actual visuals of the video. Um, but as we thought about it, you know, we're aware that not everybody, um, not everybody who's going to see this video is is well versed in what Hanukkah looks like and right. is well versed in in all the rituals and all the processes. Yeah. So we try to make it as relevant to as many different kinds of people as possible, whether that's Orthodox Jews, conservative Jews, reform Jews, non-Jews. Right. So a lot of, we find that a lot of teachers, a lot of friends of ours in the education space send us pictures of their classes watching the video and they'll say, this is so helpful because now I could show my kids, you know, I can educate my kids about Hanukkah in a really, really fun, engaging way. So we try to make that as accessible to kids and people who are not well-versed as possible. Um, so we, that's kind of the thinking there. We think if those generic Hanukkah shots are not there, then we have not done our job. Right. And if if we were able to reach this many people and not infuse it with just like like Judaism and uh, observing Judaism and joy together in one package, then we that would be uh, such a shame, especially if we reach this many people. Right. I so. get that. Very good point. Craig Resmovitz, Morty Weinstein in Studio 613, Bohemian Hanukkah. Search it. You'll find it everywhere. Um... Do we have any clue if anybody associated with the movie or anybody associated with Queen is aware of all of this? We've we've heard uh, people have told us that they're friends with with let's say like Brian May for example, the right. guitarist from Queen. 
people have told us they they will send it or they have sent it along. Um, you know, we're we're hoping. I wonder how groups like that react to covers in general or to covers that change. You know, adaptations it would be called in your case, right? Parodies, a, a parody or adaptation. I wonder how they react in general. Like, I, I would guess yeah. some. I guess some hated and some love it. Right? Bruno Mars shared our uh, yeah, Bruno Mars. Password yeah, video. he did. Yeah, yeah. That must have been a big help. Taylor Taylor <laughs> never shared our Shake It Off though. Right. It's, it's a it's a it's Scott a wedge between us. us. Yeah. Scott yeah. Shannon lines. And people and people wonder about the whole. You know, it, it, I don't know. Is there a, a moral obligation to let them know you're doing it? Like, how do you feel when? When so, an adaptation or parody is in the works. I'm works-y. so not answering that question. Yeah, I can figure so, you're, you're probably so, sick of that question, right? No, <laughs> it's, I just don't. It's, um, it's a very complicated. The truth is copyright copyright law and intellectual property is probably the most complicated. Right. I mean, to me, I don't but know. But people don't realize that parodies are, are totally, you know, it's it's a, it's an open field out there. Sort of, yeah. There, there actually, there are some some logistical loopholes right. to get through. Um, but Which you guys are well-versed in at the moment. So, yeah, to as well versed as as one can be. I mean, you ask. I ask. I ask the Jewish people. groups know all the loopholes. <laughs> exactly. I asked. I once Each asked Jewish somebody, group has one lawyer among them. At least one. At least we have one. nine guys in our group. Chances are we have seven lawyers. I mean, we Good have point. and one politician. <laughs> the, fir- the first letter you got, you made yeah. sure to include exactly. a lawyer. <laughs> Auditions. Okay, we're looking for a bass, a tenor, and a lawyer. Yeah. Patent law and, uh, yeah. and intellectual exactly. property law would really be helpful if, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're working on it <laughs> Craig and we Morty. hold a patent on beatboxing yeah <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of groups who would like to claim that yeah, yeah well they can't have it Craig and Morty are here uh, as we explore 613 in Bohemian Hanukkah now did every member of the group get in the video or not uh, yes in some way they did yes. in some way everyone participated yes and that means whether it's vocal or actually being filmed for the uh, yeah everybody, everybody did both recorded actually. yeah oh everyone did both yeah it's, it was actually really tricky um, video wise so I don't know if you remember the a few weeks ago on Thursday was that was that snowstorm that right. hit and everybody it oh, messed up all the travel the so that was storm. <laughs> so that was supposed to be the first day of filming oh god and our videographer it was. it was the first day of filming our videographer was in the heights trying to get to Queens to, to Craig's apartment and we so everybody was trying to make their way and it was taking you know hours and the videographer was stuck in the heights wasn't moving he was on the same block for you know an hour. So we ended up calling in a favor. We had a friend of ours who does video who lives in Queens. So he made the last minute trek over and we were able to film what we needed to film that night. And all the guys who needed to come that night, really, they, we went. We went. We pushed through whatever the whatever the traffic because was. You were, you were already behind schedule. And you don't want the storm to make we, you even we further have, behind. We didn't have schedule. a choice. And also, right. and also, the fifteen foot walk from my bedroom was right. very intense for you. It was very <laughs> difficult. Uh, who directed it? Who gets director's credit for this video? Um, a mixture of the videographer, um, whose name is David Kabinsky, Jacob Spadaro, and Mike Boxer. That's it. So yeah, three of them. That was really the team. So they come up with the concept. They direct it as it's going on. Yeah. I mean, other members of the group contributed, right. you know, ideas and things, but they were the. They and were the you main guys ones. listened to all the instructions, and I wonder if is a tremendous, if it's a very tedious process, with it, many, many retakes and a lot of impatience at times. I would assume there is. So, uh, okay, it's a, it was a multi-part comment, and I think it's a multi-part answer. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is extremely tedious. The, tedious is a good word. Yeah. Um, doing a video, a music video shoot is very, very cool. And it's still fun, and I'll explain why after. But it's cool for like the first 10 minutes of the first shoot that you do. Right. And then it's like, okay, like we're not, we're not singing, which is like what we're, what we are about. Right. Uh, and we're, or you're singing, but you're, you're, no, there's already a track that exists. You're not performing the vocal. Uh, and, and you got to try it again. Oh, the, the, 
the light was yep. oh, and then someone oh your oh, eyes were closed yeah yep. try it again and it becomes a little bit more tedious when you are standing in a dark room with an insanely bright light shining right on top of your head yeah. right. but i will say that the other eight guys in 613 are legitimately eight of my closest friends in the entire world and we have a blast. Yeah. Video shoots, nice. um, traveling together, which it's so important when when uh, when we're looking for new people, uh, and we actually just added two amazing new members. Absolutely. Uh, I'll just give you guys a quick shout out really quick. Nathaniel Ribner, who's a veteran of the acapella scene in right. general. I've and heard people, singing and with people us. know him in the video. He is the guy who plays the, the air guitar, guitar solo. And he did also sing the, sing the guitar solo, which is something he's Incredible. fantastic at. That also actually coincided really well. Him coming into the group, this great like guitar sound guy, mm-hmm. and us doing a song with one of the most iconic solos. Yeah. Uh, and Lior Melnick, who's our new bass, who is the guy who ends the video on that like super, super deep note, which is, uh, he's also fantastic. Um, but you he know, does an Ace Ya Po. Yeah. No, no, no. no, that, no that's that's Jake. No, he's the part right before. Yes. Uh, Thanks uh, to God, our people are free. Ah, uh, yeah. got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> and and uh, when we're looking for new people, um, singing is obviously incredibly important, but we really try and find people who we're going to, you know, love hanging out with, because if that's not the case, it just doesn't work. 613 has been around for how long now? Oh my 15 God. years. And you're both original members? No, no, no. I, Craig, Craig I was, was 10. In, even was you, Morty, and Craig I was, was in diapers. No, how old do you think I am? I was doing it. I thought you were. <laughs> no, I was. Haven't we had a million was, of these conversations, you and I? Yeah, I, did, I, well, I was. Uh, the first time I heard 613, I was in high school. I was in, I went to Flatbush, uh. and we did Acapajusa together. It was one of the first Acapajusas, and we, Flatbush performed, and then 613 performed, I'll never forget, a Hanukkah parody of Hey Ya by Outkast. Wow. And I laughed so hard i almost fell out of my chair i could not stop laughing i went over to them afterwards i was like i don't know who you guys are that was incredible where is that on an album they never recorded it but at that time they only had one album out and i that was hooked i was a fan so the first time you visited us do you remember what song you did or what album had just come out or anything do you remember what it was album five it was either five or six wow was that far must have been five yeah yeah didn't realize we only joined we joined right before album five came out we we start i actually i remember on my first 613 concert two of the original guys were from great neck which is the neighborhood i was from so there was a big this is in oh in this era huge blue fringe concert (laughs) in the shul in great neck (laughs) wow and and opening for them was this group 613 i must have been 12 morty morty's a couple years older than i am so uh and i just i was like wow this is really cool Maybe one day Very cool. I could do this. Yeah, it's funny. We, when we when Craig and I got into the group- We were we the super go, fans. We, yeah, we were super fans, and we would go on jobs, and we would sing, like, in our hotel room, we would, like, sing <laughs> other 613 songs that were not in our set that we just knew parts to because we listened to them because we were little fanboys. Very yeah. funny. Very, yeah. very funny. All right. Um, you had mentioned to me that uh, there's something people should know about the audio that might be helpful to them when they, yeah. they want to hear the song. What should they do? So, um, we love the the-, the feedback on the video and right. please keep watching it and sharing it um people don't necessarily realize that if, if you guys know us or just think you like us uh every time you share our video you're really helping our our group's collective career um this is how we book work this is how we go places so we want you guys to keep on enjoying what you're enjoying but in addition to what we have you may have noticed if you're kind of a bohemian rhapsody uh aficionado that um, it's a shortened version of the song. We try and keep our videos uh-huh. not too long. Everybody uh-huh. knows nowadays uh, attention the attention spans, spans are, like, are not what they used to are be. Like goldfish. Right. So, and this video clocks in at 
exact, pretty much uh, just under five minutes. And, and that, the original is and closer to six. So five I, minutes. I had a feeling. Five yeah. minutes was much longer than we want right. for a music video, but we 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 couldn't cut more than we did. But you might notice that it goes from the f- there's two verses in the beginning of the song, right? Uh, uh, after the little intro section. Um, so ours starts with the first half of our first verse first verse and then skips to the second half of the second verse so there are some more lyrics and and more verses and more music happening which if you purchase the song on itunes or listen to it it on on apple Apple music Music or uh, or spotify you can find the full version it's a little longer and it makes the lyrics i think even more meaningful because it was written in full and then cut, as opposed to having been shorter and then we added right. to it. We'll definitely get to that sometime before the end of the Hanukkah. I got to thank you both, uh, Craig Resmovitz, Morty Weinstein, six thirteen. Best regards to the entire group. Absolutely, My, for, I, and they re- sent it to you as well. I appreciate it. I'm very glad you guys came in. Very happy you came in to do this because look, you made a big impact both in the Jewish world and it seems the the world in general with this Hanukkah video called Bohemian. Hanukkah. So congratulations to both of you. Thanks so much for having us. Happy Hanukkah. A pleasure. Happy Hanukkah. Let's do a little piece of the Bohemian Hanukkah in case you missed it earlier. This is what it is. As we wish everyone a happy Hanukkah from 613 and JM in the AM. Spun the gimmel, now I've got a lot of gals. Silly phone, silly phone, will you spin this play trade? Oh, Hanukia lighting, presents are delighting me. Hanukia, 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 Silly I like the candles with people who love me. He likes the candles with his whole family, sharing the joy of a proud history. Sevivon, sof, 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 more Zufganiyon. More latkes, no, please more Zufganiyon. Thanks to 
Oh, yeah, that's a low note, all right. Wow. Took notice of that once uh, Craig and, and Morty pointed it out. Congratulations to 613 on Bohemian Hanukkah from all of us here at JM in the AM. And, yes, we are thrilled with the Neskadol Hayapo and the official NSN Nahum Single Network uh, card that we sent out for Hanukkah does, in fact, have Neskadol Hayapo has a pay on the dreidel for that very reason. So we say a happy Hanukkah to all and a big thank you to 613. That was my conversation with the guests we had from 613 on the topic of Bohemian Hanukkah. Recently, Yaichi Herzog, Executive Vice President of Kedem Royal Wine Corporation, was in studio with some classic wine bottles and to discuss the first 70 years of the incredible Kedem Royal Wine Company. Here's that conversation with Yaichi Herzog on JM Rewind on the Nachum Siegel Network. Tuesday morning, well, it is Hanukkah, day two of Hanukkah, and one of the things that we announced uh, last week is that during Hanukkah, we're going to uh, take this opportunity during this wonderful Chag uh, to pay tribute to the um, Kedem Royal Wine Corporation. Two reasons. Number one, because they recently announced that they are uh, celebrating their 70th year, which is pretty amazing. 70 years of Royal Wine Kedem, founded uh, back in 1948. So that's one great reason. The second reason is because we desperately wanted Yochi Herzog of Kedem to be here for this occasion. And the only week that we know that he is definitely not traveling is Hanukkah week. And therefore we say happy Hanukkah and a freilichen Hanukkah to Yochi Herzog and welcome to JM in the AM. A Hanukkah to all your listeners and to Klal Yisroel, a Hanukkah from the amazing Lower East Side of New York City. <laughs> And I'm right that this is the one week you don't travel, right? It's rare. Yeah, it's that's rare. not the only week, but right. Baruch Hashem. It's rare you travel during Hanukkah. Baruch Hashem, there's Hanukkah, so you got to stay home for the children. And the reason you're so nostalgic for the Lower East Side is, number one, the, after all, no matter where you go on this globe that has a historic Jewish community, you get very into it, whether it's Europe, Israel, here, you always love visiting uh, you know, classic Jewish communities. But in addition to that, uh, there was, and many people remember, on Norfolk Street. It was Norfolk Street, right? Sure. Well, um, Norfolk was one of the later ones. It started on Rivington Street. Rivington was what? Was it a retail store? Was it a warehouse? What was it? On, Actually, on... the first Kedem uh, winery was on 75 Kenmare Street. Right? Oh, off... We know Kenmare. Delancey Street. <laughs> no, Ken- Kenmare is Delancey, The extension right? of Delancey, Correct. right? That's where my Zayd Oliver Shalom, the Bjorn Herzog, he arrived in 1948. That's where he joined the Royal Wine Corporation, the first <clears throat> Kedem. We always drive by there. We honk the horn. There's nothing there. That's where it all started. 75 Kenmare Street on the Lower East Side. And that's because your grandfather became part of that Royal Wine Corporation? Yes. How did, how did it work? He was part number eight. There was a lot of other. There was Birnbaum. There was Englander. Lip, Lipschitz was later. A bunch of partners. And he joined as a, as a, as a greener, right. as they called him, from Slovakia. Came over to this country. Didn't speak the language. With six children. Lost his parents in the Holocaust was very determined to continue because he was, as you know, this, I'm the eighth generation. He was the sixth generation in the wine business and determined to stay in the wine business. So he joined the Royal Wine Corporation. And to make a very long story short, <clears throat> within 10 years, he bought out all of his partners and he brought his children into the business. My uh-huh. father and, and Shmuley and Uncle Shia, etc., etc. But it all started on 75 Kenmare Street. <clears throat> then they were 
on the I forget another place. Then they were in Rivington Street, right. then Norfolk Street, then Long Island City, then the Bronx, then Brooklyn, like many, like uh, Yaakov sure. Avinu, all the Gullison, <laughs> and then finally, as you know, in the last 18 years in Bayonne, New Jersey. Right, but the but the wines were always made in upstate New York in that era? Like, what was going on in no. the 40s and 50s? In those days, they were produced here. Literally. There were vats, I don't know if you call it, in Norfolk Street. Right. I still remember, uh, not yeah, that long yeah. ago. The bottom and the basement, the cellar. Correct. They called it the keller. The cellar. There were little press machines. It was a much smaller company. Right. There were small machines and presses and tanks and the bottling lines, everything on a much smaller scale. So they just got grape, grape deliveries over there. Grape deliveries in the middle of the night. The trucks came in and delivered the goods. And the, the entire winery was here. It's only later that they, uh, I think in the 60s, that they started in Milton, New York, right. the, the, the winery. And then now it's in Marlboro, New York, where you've, you've been to already. Sure. And, uh, That's then, quite a facility. Yeah, and then we also have the winery in California, of right. course, the Herzog Winery. But it all started in the lower, very nostalgic. And I, I daven chocolate today. The Bialystok Shul. I haven't been here in years. <laughs> Beautiful to see Mignonim and to see. It's like a shtetl. It's like I went back to the old shtetl to Davin and the Gabai. Same Gabai, same cute announcement. Welcome everybody. And it was nostalgic. Yochi Herzog's here. We're talking about the 70 years of Kedem. So I'm just curious. I know we have a lot to talk about regarding the last few years, but, but early on. Hmm. You, see, I was always under the impression that your grandfather came here and founded a company. Now you've straightened out. Now I understand exactly what happened. He became a partner, a partner. in Royal. There was a there was already a winery, and he uh, joined. He was one of the partners who joined. Right. And he was a smart man and determined man. And after years, they realized that this guy knows what he's talking about. Right. He, he, he would produce the wine in the morning go out in the afternoon to write the orders and he had a he had a driver's license for a special truck and he would deliver it at night himself i have a picture somewhere at home of his driver's license for a special you know, need a special license to commercial drive a license i guess yeah. <clears throat> commercial license and he would deliver the goods and he just so he was you know, literally the delivery guy he was in charge delivery, of the winery in charge of sales he delivery, was the delivery guy. delivery production <laughs> and and a lot of tefillah i don't know if you remember him but people who remember him they used to call him Mamish, the, the businessman, the tzaddik. He would daven a typical Shemana Esrei with tears, just crying to Hashem, talking to Hashem, and, and davening and davening and davening. Well, who was the older man in Norfolk Street? Well, my Zayde was there until a few months before he passed away. Which and was Mr. When? Rosenberg. My grandfather passed away 25 years ago. So I remember him. Yes. I remember him there, of yes, course. Yes, and my late grandmother, Leo Shalom. Wow. They would cross the bridge. I used to drive them many times. They lived in Williamsburg. Right. They would cross the bridge, or they would take the bus. But if, if I was around, I would take him in the car and uh, and bring him. In his later years, he was you know semi-retired for right. many, many years. He learned most of the day, but he still came in every day for a few hours. I looked at the books, and he had all the mashallahim. I have mashallahim coming to my house. It's 25 years since he passed away. And they'll tell me that I have to give him a big check because my Zayd, the Rebbeinu Herzog, Oliver Shalom, Gave him a check every year, and it was so nice to him, and a bottle of wine. So he, the last ten years of his life, he was probably giving away more tzedakahs than anything. Unbelievable. People used to line up on the Lower East Side. Unbelievable. What would he say about the company today? I wonder. I wonder what he would say if he would see the way uh, you guys have built an unbelievable operation, an incredible company at this point. I, I hope he would be happy with everything we do. I hope so. I'm sure he would have nachas because, as my father always says, <coughs> excuse me. 
<clears throat> not only in the Kiddush Hayayin business, but in the Kiddush Hashem business. Right. So as we expand, as we grow to more countries, more brands, we should always continue making a Kiddush Hashem wherever we are. Amen. Uh, those of you who have a computer or your phone or your tablet or your laptop, go to it now. We're on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network, facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network. And the reason that we're encouraging you to go to the uh, uh, Facebook Live broadcast this moment is because Yochi Herzog is not only here to celebrate 70 years, he's here to share with us some real nostalgia, some real memories with some of the uh, items that he has brought into our studio this morning as we reminisce about the last 70 years of the Kedem uh, Corporation and the Royal Wine. And uh, so therefore we suggest you go to facebook.com slash Nachum Siegel Network and I'm sure plenty of people are going to comment about bottles and, and artifacts that they remember because you, you showed me one so far only, which we're going to put up in a second. You showed me one, and the first reaction I had was, wow, am I old. I remember that bottle on my table, as I'm sure many people out there will as well. I went to my <clears throat> cellar, and I went to the office uh, <clears throat> excuse me, room where we have some of these old collectibles, and I found some amazing stuff, which I know you <laughs> and your listeners are going to listen. The first one I have here to show you, yeah. it's called the two-eared bottle. In Yiddish, people used to call it the zwei-euden, <laughs> the two-eared <laughs> bottle. It's an old, old Kedem bottle, which was... Produced in the lower on the Lower East Side, actually. I'm going to ask As you to you hold it up see. to that camera just so people can see the label. Uh, here, put it on this side so people can Sorry. see that label. There you go. And this says Kedem on top. It does say in big, bold letters, Kushal of Pesach. You wanted to make sure people sure do does, that. Sure does, and I'm sure a lot of people, if you don't recognize it, then you're... If you don't recognize <laughs> it, then you're 30 or younger. Correct. Or 35 or 40. <clears throat> this bottle is probably... 45 to 50 years old. And it says Royal Sacramental, California, and it's a port wine. And did ever, I mean, I remember, I, I, we didn't have port on our table, but we had that bottle. Did this bottle, uh, did, did all the wines come in this all, bottle? All of the Kedem Sweet Wines. This Every is the, Kedem Sweet Wine. It's came. called the half-gallon bottles. And they, they were all, heavy, <clears throat> heavy glass bottles, eight to a case. I remember as a bocher, Ben Azman, I'm going to the factory to help out a little bit. It was schlepping, schlepping. The cases and the, no elevators and delivering it all over New York City. They were heavy, This huh? was the bottle. This Unbelievable. Was the bottle. So, and, and you would think that that bottle stopped being produced around when? When, when was that bottle retired? I would say probably 25, 25 to 30 years ago. And is it a big deal when a bottle like that's retired? Is it like a big deal in your company when you make a switch from glass to plastic or you make a switch from a certain size to another size? Are there a lot of old-timers who give you who give you beef over that? <laughs> not really, not really, because you, know, you want to change with the time. Like, look at grape juice, yeah? Right. Until a few years ago, it was all glass, glass grape juice. Sure. Today, it's much more plastic grape juice, you know, the 64-ounce, the 96-ounce. Right. We just switched even the baby juice. Right. The Purim size, which was in glass for many, many years, we just switched to an 8-ounce cute plastic bottle and yeah there's always people who say i want the old i want the old but the used it's it's all it's also supply and demand it's easier to get plastic easier to handle sure. the molds go away and come so you want to you know part of your marketing tim is you want to change the labels change marketing change the packaging that's and the retailers especially do. those who put it on the shelves are very happy when it's they plastic. love plastic yeah i they can imagine plastic. and there are those you've told us in the past there are those who insist that there still be glass on their Shabbos table. There are those who feel that, you know what, on a Shabbos table I need to have glass, not plastic, and they'll make sure to buy the glass bottle. Very much so, yeah. and that's why we, we have the 1.5 liter right. non-mavushal grape juice in glass. Right. It's more Shabbos dig, it's more Yantav dig, 
and, and I understand where the people yeah, come of from. course. So we do have that. All right, which but one I, is this? I found a bottle which will really, really blow you away for many reasons. My grandfather, Olavashon, was such a forward thinker, even though he was an immigrant and came to the country, he knew right away he had to grow his empire. So producing New York State wines is one area. Right. He went to California a few years after he was here to look for producing good kosher California wines. Now at that time, Which nobody had done. Nobody had done. At that time, there was, you know, Muscatel and Port sweet type wines that were produced in California. And that's what we produced in California right on from the early years that he came into this country. Another area where he looked at was Israel. Right. And Israel was producing many wines. He decided let him import some Israeli wine. So what I found yesterday <laughs> was really blew me away. Eretz, look at this bottle, Nachum. Eretz Israel Holy Lead. Eliaz Kedem. Israel Sir Turn bottled in Israel wine. He made a joint venture with the Elias Winery, which is, <laughs> I guess, many, many years. This is at least 60 years old. As you could see, Royal Wine Corporation, New York, New York, which is the Lower East Side. Right. But in the back, and this, the Heksher is of two prominent rabbonim. And they are? One of them is the chief rabbi of Israel, Yitzchak Isaac Halevi Herzog. Wow. No relationship to us. Right, ironically. The other one... The Tzvi Pesach Frank, <gasps> the Rav of the Badatz Eidach Redis. Sure. So you have the Chief Rabbi and and the Tzvi Pesach Frank, Kosher Le Pesach Afla Mahadrin Mina Mahadrin, right on the label. Unbelievable. I maybe we should put up the auction. You, you can know. say that again. People might, there are people look, who would want that bottle, and that's a sealed bottle, by the way. The, yes, it's a sealed bottle. Some of the wine, the wine evaporated after the years. But it's, it's amazing. It's show amazing on, to see. Show on Facebook the label. There it is. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. That's the bottle he refers to, over 60 years old, um, produced by his grandfather. In uh, Israel, together in with Israel, Elias. With the Elias Winery and brought here to the USA. I wonder if that was a really... Because you've told me that you know importing and exporting wine is not a simple thing. It is wine, after all, and the government's always you know watching very carefully. Uh, was that a difficult process for him? In to? those days, very difficult. You know, just the communication. Yeah. There was no emails, no telexes, no faxes. Yeah. I guess there were telegrams. To, and he didn't travel to Israel too often those days. But he found the winery and, and just contacted somebody. Just the fact that he got it done is amazing. And interestingly enough, 60 years later, Elias is today is the Binyamina winery. Wow. The name was Elias. Then it switched to Elias Binyamina. So we import, until today, Binyamina wines, the famous Binyamina cave comes from the Elias Binyamina winery. I should show it to them also, but it's pretty, pretty amazing. Unbelievable. All right, celebrating 70 years of Royal Wine Kedem with some incredible classic bottles here at JM&AM. The Tune us in at Facebook, facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. You can see this entire presentation. There's more Yochi Herzog. That is... It didn't stop in Israel. It went to France and Italy. Right. As you know, so this is one of the first kosher French wines my uncle David, or or lovely known Shmuli, Shmuel David is his name. When he joined the company, he knew that it, you know wine is made in France and all over the world. And with my grandfather's encouragement, he went to France. This is 1980, so this is uh, 38, 38 years old. 38 years ago, and we were the first to import a kosher French wine. And this is this is mind-boggling for younger people listening that there was no such thing. 40 years ago in this country of having a kosher French wine. 
Now, exactly. now you have wine from not just France, but every country you can imagine. Countries. We produce wine now in 13 countries, and we export wine, Baruch Hashem, to 31 countries. Amazing. So this is one of the this first is- bottles of dry red wine, Bordeaux, from the Bordeaux region, produced, I assume, in a, in a joint effort with some winery In Bordeaux, there. yes. Right. In Bordeaux, my uncle traveled over there. And uh, and as you see, it's interesting enough, it was a Kedem selection. Right. Because it was all about Kedem, Kedem, Kedem. Then right. marketing came along. We had Baron Herzog and Bartanura and Herzog Imports, different brands, different labels. But it's, it's interestingly enough, Nachum, again, talk about nostalgia. I was in Paris last week. We have an office there. We produce a lot of wine in France. And I davened in the old shul called Rue Pave. And the rabbi there, Rabbi Rottenberg, is the son of the Rabbi Rottenberg who gave the Hechsher here. It says Schlitter, but he's no longer alive. <laughs> And this shul, I and his son is still in the wine business, producing kosher wine. Unbelievable. Uh, that's also a sealed bottle. Uh, yes, sure is. How would it taste if we opened it up? Uh, not too good. <laughs> not too good. It's time not, has passed. Huh? Not too good, but it's nostalgic. It's nostalgic. It certainly is. It's amazing. So there you go. Facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. Check out all these vintage classic bottles that Yochi Herzog has brought in as we celebrate 70 years. And there's more as he reaches into his bag of tricks. Now, this is pretty amazing. This I found in my house. As you know, we launched the Herzog Winery in 1985. Right. When we decided to do produce some real quality California wine, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, and Merlot. Right. Or as the old timers would say, dry wine. Dry I'm wine. only used to sweet wine. What's dry wine? Well, we sell a lot of sweet wine. We sell a lot of dry wine. So this is the first bottling and again, talk about marketing. Today it's called simply Herzog. Right. From Baron Herzog. Well, the first name, we want it to be very fancy and very European. So the name of the brand, as you can see, is Domain Baron Jacquab, the Herzog Special Reserve Cabernet, Sonoma County. This is the first release. Unbelievable. Handwritten note, 1985, was produced in a city called Asti, California. Didn't even have our own winery yet in Oxnard, as you know we have today. Right. So this is the first kosher california bottling that we produced in california and when you would go ahead and do that in 1985 because it's wine wouldn't you i mean it's a lot different than just you know making a food product kosher and sending in a mashkiach right i mean a wine, very much so very, i tell people you know people don't realize the work you know you want to make kosher potato chips given the food business right. also obviously kosher cookies kosher potato chips mashkiach goes in kashers checks the ingredients you need one mashkiach producing wine the guy can't touch so right. you need anywhere between three to ten mashgichim per winery during the harvest, including the that bottling. run, including, including that early run. Well, in those days, it was made in a non-kosher winery. Right. We kosher. Today, we have our own winery right. in Oxnard, California. But I'm saying that but when that bottle was made, you needed a staff. You needed a staff, a big staff, and usually these wineries are in remote areas: Bordeaux, France, right. or 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 uh, Spain, <laughs> yeah, we Rioja, we, Spain. We know where Bartonura is. <laughs> oh, but you've been to Bartonura. <laughs> it's far. There's no Chabad house there. <laughs> Correct. I mean, the the, the mashgichim <laughs> come from Chabad, from Milan, right. Italy, and and Paris. But uh, Bartanura, which is a huge brand, during the harvest, we have 30 to 40 mashgichim slash workers working. We take over the entire winery because we don't play games when it comes to hechsher. And making kosher wine has to be done, you know, no touching, no, no touching the machines, no handling, no bottling. Everything is done by Shermer Shabbos from Yidin. So when this product was made in 1985, an entire staff was there to oversee it and to work there, not just oversee it, but to actually work on the entire process. Sure was. Sure was and sure is. Amazing. Uh, celebrating 70 years. That's the uh, the fourth classic bottle that you brought out. Any others in there? 
Wow, I can't believe this. Slept so many, but I have. Yeah. Slept so many, you slept a whole bunch. Here's another one. Oh, oh, this you're going to like. 158 Ludlow Street. <laughs> we could probably go there now. <laughs> 150. So this is one of the one of the you know. It, it says, oh, you said before Rivington. That's right. where it was. It was on Ludlow. It says the toilet that you when men base my size, right. forty two my size. You're almost there. <laughs> my Zaydolov Shalom, you know, surviving the Holocaust and coming over to this country. It took him many, many. My father was always says there were years and years in the beginning of Kedem. They barely had bread in the house to eat. They were struggling. They were struggling because he worked so hard. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of kosher wineries in those days on the Lower East Side. He, he wasn't the first. There was there was Ganellus Langer. There was Lipschitz. There was Birnbaum. There's a bunch of other wineries. And he was the newcomer. He was one of the Manischewitz, Shapiro's. And he was the newcomer. And Baruch Hashem, after many, many years, he surpassed all of them. But it was difficult the first few years. Very difficult. And so this is one of the first, again, I think, that's very, I think that's very important for people to hear. I think it's very important for people to hear. It's a fact. Yeah. The fact my father tells the story i forget exactly what it was when he started working in the family business my father i think started working in 1955 or 56 and he told me at that time his paycheck i think don't quote me dad if you're listening was either 35 or 40 dollars a week just enough he moved from williamsburg to borough park and borough park is a little more expensive than yeah. just enough to cover his rent that's that's how they struggled he had five four boys in the business my four, my father and three uncles. One that passed away, Uncle right. Yankel, Ernest Oliver Shalom. Who they say and, was a wine genius. Yeah, it was brilliant, yeah. brilliant. His children are now in the business. Right. As you know, Michi and Ellie. Sure. And uh, they struggled and struggled. They worked very hard, didn't give up, until the Baruch Hashem succeeded and built a, a beautiful company. It takes a while, huh? That sure does. Sure even, does. Every, even every new venture you take on now takes a while to, to, to make inroads. Well, the first thing you need to have and everything you do, and you need the right muscle and the right people. With Hashem's help, it, it works. It's amazing. Uh, okay, that bottle. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So no, it's Lud- bottle, Lud- Ludlow Street. Yeah. So, But look at this. Talk about creativity. 50, 60 years ago, California Muscatel wine. Right. The wine is made in California, trucked over by, by uh, tankers to Ludlow Street and bottled over here because he didn't have a bottling plant there, and for, I assume for cashering reasons right. also. So he went there, made the wine, brought it over here, bottled a few blocks away from where we are sitting right now. Pretty amazing. 158 Ludlow Street, New York, New York. Bonded winery number 600. We still have that number. Which is that's, all the government regulations. Government right. regulations, right. So this is an Also, another, by the way, I know there was color on the other ones, but this looks like it was. Uh, there was a little thought put into the design. Yeah, this, this was already, <laughs> the, the marketing people got involved. They added color, <laughs> right. and they called it red label. Right. This was fancy, they, they like, the reserve, right. <laughs> like the reserve. Like the reserve, but amazing. Show what, that to the camera over like, there. <laughs> amazing how creative they were. In those days, my uncles and, and my Zaydolov. Right. They knew that the uh, consumer wanted uh, something wanted different. That, that step stood up. Out. Right. I mean, look at the difference between yeah. these two. This is blue. This is a blue label and a red label. So we went fancy right. from the blue label to the red label. <laughs> Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Uh, I dare ask. There's more in there, huh? No, no, that's I it. Slept so many, five bottles. Pretty amazing. My weight limit. Uh, those of <laughs> those of you who are who are listening, you have a chance to go to facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. It'll give you an opportunity to see all the bottles that are in front of Yochi right now. Some of the classics from the last seventy years, and they are pretty remarkable. The uh, the Oxnard Winery actually opened up in what year? The ribbon cutting was when? Nine, uh, I want to say nineteen ninety one, I think, or ninety two. 
I might be off by a few years. Was it that sh- soon after you started the 1985 production of Wine in California? Did you had your own place or already? Maybe, maybe I'm making a mistake. It's probably 1995. 95, so 1995. about 10 years after that. And um, it, has it changed a lot? Has it grown? Have you had to add to it a lot over the last 20 years? Like, has it been a... Yeah. Well, you know, at the Oxnard Winery, you know, we produce the Herzog right. label there, the Jeunesse label, right. the Weinstock label. And Baruch Hashem, the brand continues to grow, always new labels, new marketing, you know, Mati. There's two Mati, says, you know, Mati in New York, Mati LA. Right. And some Mati, or, or is, as he's known as Morty in New York, is always coming up with new ideas and different blends and different things from the marketing standpoint. And Mati LA, who lives in Los Angeles, my cousin Mati Herzog, does a great job out there. And he's always, you know, reinventing different wine, different single varietals, single vineyards, etc., etc. Always looking for different high-end wine, some uh, single estates and special reserves, etc. And you said before that you're exporting to 31 countries at this point? Yes. So your salespeople need to know what people in those countries gravitate toward. They need to know what, they, what well, they're enjoying. Well, you know Jay Booksbaum, right? Sure, we know him, right? famous Jay Booksbaum. Exactly. So Jay, one of his responsibilities, besides being director of education, travels to South America regularly. And in South America... We have Argentina, Mexico, Panama, and they're not all the same. Even though they're Spanish, one guy likes semi-dry, one guy wants dry, one guy wants Kedem, one guy wants uh, Baron Herzog, one guy needs Bartonora. So, yes, we're, we're doing it long enough that we know in Moscow, for example, I was in Russia a few years ago. There we sell a lot of the Kedem sweet wines and Bartonora because they love the blue bottle. And lately they're buying the Herzog Reserve wines. Mm. So every country has its nuances and its demand. Uh, Israel. For example, as you know, right. you, we're exporting to Israel, Baruch Hashem, Bartonora, Baron Herzog, Kedem. And, and as much as, it's very interesting, as much as the dry wine or the real wine, as people call it, you know, Cab, Chard, Merlot, etc., there's still a big demand and a big market for sweet wines. Good old Kedem, Concord Grape, and the low-alcohol wines. Because even the Cabernet drinker, they can't always make Kiddush on unless a Cabernet Sauvignon Friday night. So they'll make Kiddush on a sweet wine, and then after the fish, they'll crack the Chardonnay or the Cabernet or Merlot or French, etc., etc. So there's still those are traditional, but for the wife and the children, they can't always drink a dry wine. So there's still a big number, Baruch Hashem, of uh, people wanting to drink sweet wines or, or not so sweet, you know, less sugar like the cream red and the Matuk soft, you know, low alcohol less sugar, etc. Concord call. Concord call, um, exactly. <laughs> is the Israeli market a tough one to break into? I don't mean the, the, the actual exporting to Israel and the government regulations and all that. I mean the consumer. Is it tough to break into the consumer market in Israel or they're as, the yes. same as any other country? Yes and no, because you have a lot of Anglo-speaking. Uh, ah, right. They so remember you So you, you have a base. They have right. A lot of Americans are always looking you know, I need to get my Kedem grape juice. I need to get my Herzog wine. I need my late harvest. Right. One of your favorite wines, sure. etc. So there is a, a core base. But Baruch Hashem, over the years, we've noticed that even the Israelis, uh, if you do tastings with them and show it to them, it's it's a, it's a very competitive market. There's only three, four big chains there, so it's very competitive. And there's also many, many, many local Israeli wineries. So, you know, I'm a newcomer, so, you know, right. who needs you here? But Baruch Hashem, we're, we're successful there, too. I want to get back to Israel in a second, but before that, we were in Atlanta last week. Is it is it is it very different 
when a state allows you to sell wine in a supermarket? Is it very different for you, or it's not that different? Not really. No? Not really, because most states today, people don't realize, you, know, you live in New York, right. you have a separate liquor store and separate grocery store. You go into Florida or California or Chicago. It's all available in supermarkets? It's, it's all available in supermarkets. So we, 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 we know how to deal with the supermarkets to sell wine and in private uh, liquor stores to sell wine. And back to Israel for a second. In these 70 years, or, or certainly the last 20 or 30 years, uh, somebody else could have made this decision to associate with Israeli wines and Israeli companies and bring them into the U.S. And you know how important it is for us, especially around any holiday, including Hanukkah, to encourage people to drink Israeli wine. But at some point, someone in your company said, you know, there's an entire market in Israel and, you know, no one really who knows what they're doing is importing these wines to the U.S. At some point, that had to have been discussed in your company. It's interestingly because we've always been importing Israeli wine. Always, as you see from my grandfather. From those early from, bottles. So we always did, we, we had Manfort Israeli wine, which then became Barkan. And we had Carmel. We used to import Carmel way, way, way back, and then they went on their own. Um, uh, then we joined forces again. Right. But it's, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a two-pronged success story. We always kept up with Israel. We love Israel, and we're always dealing with Israeli wine. But in the last 20 years, the quality of Israeli wines has gone unbelievable. I mean, you have the big wineries, Carmel, Barkan, Binyamina, Tavor, that are producing amazing wine. They have all these boutiques. There's 200 boutique wineries today in Israel. Right. We don't have enough space to import all of them, and many of them are not equipped for exporting. But you have the boutiques like Psagot, Shiloh, Alexander, Castel, that are producing amazing wines, which... Baruch Hashem, we're able to penetrate the non-traditional kosher market, even the geisha market. We are working now with a bunch of supermarkets and wine chains that have separate and sections. Box, and big box stores. And big Costco, etc. Right. They have separate sections in their stores. They have Israel, not kosher. So they have a kosher wine section, which we supply them with. They have a separate section called the Israeli wine section. So it's, it's a combination of realizing the amazing quality of Israeli wines coming over here and being a leader, we decided we're going to be a leader in that area also. So, Baruch Hashem, we're the largest importer. We represent 29 Israeli wineries, the four big ones and 25 other boutiques. And we're always bringing in another two, three. We launched three new Israeli brands just in the last year. Uh, you might not have seen them. Jezreel, small little winery up, up north. Uh, Vitkin is another winery. And the third one skips my mind. Gush Etzion. Oh, from the Gush. He was in my office yesterday. Schrager Rosenberg. We launched the brand it's 10 months wine. ago. It's a good wine. Nice wine. Yeah. comes from the Gush, so a lot right. of people you know, relate to that. Sure. Uh, and and, and every, every Israeli brand is doing well by us, Baruch Hashem. Uh, do you have a boutique winery knocking on your door every day? <laughs> I mean, Not every day. Who takes those calls in your office? Because you could do that all day long, take uh, well, you know, we, we people a, begging you to, to import you, to import yes, their brand. Yes, and we do turn away some. You know, we, we are not going to take a brand just because right. we're importers. We, we take a brand if we think we could sell it, if we think we can grow the brand, and if we think uh, the price is right. And uh, some of the boutiques are so small that they think that they're the wow, the next best Castel or, or Psagot or Flam. And their price And the price the... is right there, but they don't have the, the, the repertoire, the image, et cetera, yet. So, so when we tell them very, very honestly and very openly, we don't think America will do well with your brand. You can go somewhere else, no problem, be my guest. But... Uh, but we're, we're very open, very transparent with them, and we're always looking to grow the portfolio. Se- uh, celebrating 70 years with Yochi Herzog, Kedem Royal Wine Corporation. At some point, 
and I'm always curious about these transitions. At some point, uh, again, someone in your office said, it's time to expand beyond wine and grape juice and get into the food business and to you know put a lot, and there are a lot of, of kosher food brands under your roof at this point. Boch Hashem. A lot of Boch Hashem. And as you know, we've totally separated because it it gotten so big, right. the food and the wine. So it's two completely so different corporations. totally separate. You know, it's called Keiko or Kedem Foods. And in that umbrella, we have the Kedem brand, of course, Kedem Grape Juice. And Geffen is one of the brands. And Glicks and Shibolim. And then again, just like the wines, we represent many brands from Israel. We are also representing many brands from Israel like Elite and Unilever, Matzot Yehuda, Bagel Bagel, etc., etc. Because right. we, we realized the opportunity of uh, also the power Hashem, we have is the distribution which is key today you can have the best brand if you don't have the right manpower and Hashem, we have some great people working for us really a great team you'll see at the Hanukkah party on Thursday which we do every year thank you for the invitation the Hanukkah party at the, at the wine division the one in the food division also but as the quality has gone up and the demand has gone up and there's the internet and people seeing people travel so they're looking for brands from Israel, et cetera, et cetera. So we represent many, many brands in the food division also from Israel. All right, finally, we got to talk about the grape juice. I mean, this is, I mean, your grandfather was a winemaker. Sure was. Was he making grape juice in the old country as well? No, or, right. no, no. That so, was his invention I mean, here. It, I was thinking about this this morning. If you're wondering what I'm doing at 5 a.m., I was thinking about this this morning. With all the discussions we've had, and we know each other, uh, you know, 30 years, and I have to thank you for, everyone knows it, it's obvious that you and your company are one of the main supporters of all the work that we do, and you're 70 years old, we're 35 years old, so we're like your baby brother, so to speak, so we value this relationship as you can imagine, and, and you know we do, but I was thinking this morning that the, 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 the thing, the item that really uh, separated you from everybody else is the grape juice. I mean, it's got to be such a large part of the, now I guess you would say the food department, right, the food umbrella of Keiko, but obviously under the name Kedem. Um, and why would a winemaker, why would a winemaker who's here in the U.S. and is now partnering, as you described earlier, with a team of great partners in this Royal Wine Corporation, at some point, I guess, decided to introduce a grape juice into the market. How, how would he even think that this would be? It's an amazing story. He he was getting a lot of, you know, in the olden days, like we said, it was all sweet wine. Right. Muscatel, Concord Grey, Port. And drink four cups of Dalit Kosos of, of uh, strong 12% alcoholic wine. People would meet my Zaidi in the shul. <laughs> I have such a headache. I can't drink the wine. I can't drink wine. It's too heavy. What can I mix it with? How much water can I put in? It was just, he, it was common sense. He said, Woman, and there was non-kosher grape juice. He said, one second, let me produce kosher grape juice. And it was a very difficult process to do. My father once showed me pictures of the old tanks, because you need special tanks. Yeah, because grapes naturally ferment. So you put them, you see, they, start, they become wine a few days right after the, right. the crushing. So you have to stop the fermentation. There's cold fermentation, many different methods. It's, uh, we don't have too much time to go into all the details. But to make a good quality grape juice, it takes, in a way, funny as this may sound, it might be more difficult than producing wine because you have to keep it from fermenting. If we have chillers, we have freezers, we have we go through a lot of filters. And, and he, in 1958, actually, he produced the first grape juice. There was no kosher grape juice in America before 1958. Not to my knowledge. Not to my knowledge. He was the first, and it was an instant success. And obviously, he went to discuss it 
the Salem Rav, right. was our Rav Machshav, that was a key years. to get somebody to declare that you could use that you allowed to use right. the Kaiser Moshe Feinstein. My Zaid used to go to a lot the old Lubavitcher Rebbe. He always, my Zaid was very close to all Rabbanim, Hasidish, Litvish, and Misnagdish. It was amazing. He was, we were, you know, we're Ashkenaz, we're Oberland. I don't know right. if you know the expression Oberland right. that we come from. And uh, until today, my father, my uncles, myself, we go everywhere. We go to the Aguda Convention, and we go to Satmar, and we go to the uh, Torah Mesora Convention, and the OU Convention. We're close to every Orthodox rabbi who wants to listen to us, and we and we support many of them. So, at some point, was it a was it a I don't know a a, a, a very serious discussion about whether it could be used for Kiddush, or or did it make sense to to the rabbis that? That they could give a hashkach or yeah. give their approval that this would be able to be used for kiddush. There's gemaras. There's gemaras that talk that about. That discuss it. So they had to talk about on. you know tirosh and stuff like that. Toises, uh, yain megitoy. There's the gemara that talks about fresh juice, which obviously means right. it's not alcohol yet. Right. But they, based on that, they, they, everybody, every rav said no problem at all. I mean, it's from a grape they after all. Hundred percent grape juice, right. and uh, and the rest is history, as they right. say. Baruch Hashem, it took off. Today we have. You know, the grape juice, and we have the sparkling grape right. juices, which is perfect for Hanukkah. And a whole bunch of different... children, and, a, and a f- different flavors. Right. But Hashem, it's a very big item in the Jewish community and in the Havland, the non-Jewish community also. Unbelievable. And we know, of course, the success of Bartanura and other brands in the secular community. Yeah, Boch Hashem. I walked into a BJ's Wholesale Club recently. I saw a massive, uh, <laughs> a massive picture of a Bartanura wine bottle outside of it, you know, like it was the size of a billboard. And then on the other side, there was another one. It may have been Kedem Grape Juice. I don't remember. But there was another item of yours that was uh, that was being sold at a general location like that. So Yeah, no, Bartonor Moscato is a very big brand, Baruch Hashem. Yeah, and I noticed a lot of others that are under your umbrella are coming out with Moscatos. A lot of, and some of them are different. They're yes, different, yes. Different the, levels of The Moscato of category is a growing category because it's sweet. It reminds you of home, but it's not, you know, really, it's not a heavily sweet one. Right. like that. It's, a, it's easy to drink. Even a Cabernet drinker is not always in the mood of drinking Cabernet. He'll enjoy, you know, nice, refreshed, chilled, uh, especially in the summer, uh, Moscato, Moscato di Asti. And um, I did notice that there, I, I had a different one this past Shabbos of the Moscatos, and I noticed it's just not as sweet as the Bartonur. There's different levels and different, you know. Yes. Different you also tastes. have, I don't know if you noticed, a new Moscato rosé. Right. The beautiful black yeah, bottle nice. champagne. Yeah, looks like a champagne it's bottle. A, yeah, it's, it's a year old and Baruch Hashem doing That's very a good well. Hanukkah item. Perfect for Hanukkah yeah. with the latkes. Oh my gosh. Perfect well, hit for Hanukkah. What have you been pairing with uh, Sufganiyot? Anything uh, Anything you want to recommend? Believe or? it or not, I haven't had one yet. Not one Sufganiyot? I had a latke so far. By the time you get to, had a latke by the, time so you get to the big celebration in Bayonne on Thursday, you have to have at least one Sufganiyot, you know? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> to be Yitz's eye. The one from Israel. Oh, You like those, Something huh? about the Sufganiyot in Israel. They do it so much they better. Don't, they don't make them here. Somehow. That's why you have The whole Yerushalayim smells from Sufganiyot. Correct. Where you going? And that's why you haven't had any yet, because you remember, you, once Could you've be. had Yerushalayim, forget Could it. be. No, Nobody's having any here. Real deal. Once they've tasted the ones in Israel. Uh, well, what can I say? It's 70 years, everybody, and they're celebrating, and they have reason to celebrate. An incredible story, an amazing company, and everybody out there is, uh, every time now you buy a bottle of uh, of any of it, of Kedem, Barrett Herzog, any of the food items under all the different names, uh, you know that you are um, a purchasing from a family that knows the business and knows the business very well. And uh, we say Mazal Tov on 70 years. What did I say? Shivim is... Uh, Forgot what Shivim is. Was the Mishnah? Shivim Lezikna? Maybe. Shivim I don't remember. Either one. We wish you both. <laughs> and we wish you continued success.
And we say a big thank you to you for uh, all you do for us here. And we still haven't made it out to, to Oxnard. It's one of our goals to get out there one time and, uh, and participate in the, uh, you know, in seeing what goes on at, at what must be the most amazing facility. You have to come out there. You have to. And the restaurant. Yeah, what's the restaurant, with that? Tierra Sur is rated. Another forward-thinking mm, move. It's rated as one of the best kosher restaurants in America and maybe in the world. Whose it's idea amazing. was that? My <laughs> uncle. My uncle. You know, many wineries have oh, little, they do that? little tasting rooms, right. little you know, snacky food, light food, deli, Correct. stuff like that. But we decided, you know, let's go all out and do it all right. And it's, it's a big hit, you know, strictly kosher. It's a, again, another Kiddush Hashem. You have more non-Jews than Jews eating in the strictly kosher restaurant in Oxnard, California, and coming back. There are people who claim it's the best kosher restaurant in the world. Yes, many people. And it's had that reputation from the time it started, which is a while ago, as we said. So that's pretty amazing that it's able to maintain that kind of reputation. It's a lot of hard work. I can only imagine. hard work, and the chef puts it all in. Those of you watching on Facebook, Yochi Herzog has brought in these incredible bottles, a lot of classics. Uh, brings back a lot of memories of uh, <laughs> of a time long ago when the uh, Kedem Wine Corporation Royal Wine was uh, was much younger than it is now. Now the uh, the unbelievable influence it has in the world of kosher wine and kosher food is unbelievable. We wish you a Freilich and Hanukkah. We wish you another happy seventy. Admeva Esterman beyond. Amen, amen, amen. Thank the, you the, very much. The younger generation gets it. The younger generation of your co- corporation understands the history of all this and how important it is. Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, they do. You know, my son is in the business, then, and then other three second cousins. So we're on Gen Four. Baruch Hashem in America, and everybody gets along. Baruch Hashem, and I want to thank you, Nachum, and all your listeners Pleasure. for drinking Kedem, a Kedem product for the last seventy years, and. Everybody should have a Freilich and Hanukkah, and thanks for everything. Unbelievable. Thank you very much. And a Freilich and Hanukkah. And what your grandfather is uh, would be thinking if he saw this on the Lower East Side of Manhattan at the moment, celebrating 70 years of this corporation, it would just be amazing. I'll oh, tell you. Just where it started, everybody, as we said earlier, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And here we are, sitting blocks away from the original winery on Kenmare Street. That's the original one, Kenmare Street, an extension of Delancey Street, for those of you familiar with the neighborhood. Uh, and uh, 70 years later, the uh, international Kedem Royal Wine Corporation is uh, to be admired by all in the world of kosher food and beyond. Achenu Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. I want to thank those of you who are watching on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. Of course, that video will be available forever, thank God. And my thanks to Yochi Herzog during this Hanukkah week, which is one of those very rare weeks when he's not traveling. We knew we'd be able to secure him and get him in studio to talk about the last 70 years of Kedem. And when you buy their products, now you can have a better appreciation for the history and the incredible efforts made by a lot of people and sacrifice made by a lot of people over the last seven decades. Chag Urim Sameach. Happy Hanukkah. Freilich and Hanukkah tomorrow. We're back with plenty more. That was my conversation with Yochi Herzog of the Kedem Wine Corporation, a recent visitor to JM in the AM. That wraps up this edition of JM Rewind. Thanks so much for tuning in. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.